0: Hello this is Jim Walsh and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. In our previous podcast we presented part one of a lesson called Knowing Christ's Church. We took as our main text Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 where Jesus talks about building his church and we considered the fact that his church is known by many names and in dealing with that we also wanted to deal with the relationship that we have with our lord and the names that scriptures give to refer to us to help us to understand the importance of that relationship so today in this follow-up podcast part two we will continue to deal with knowing Christ's church. In the very next chapter of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, they're spoken of as disciples. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, a disciple is a follower, is a student, one who has a master and who is attached to that master. To learn. And then that's the role that we have. We are disciples. We have a master, Jesus Christ. We are attached to him because we want to learn. We want to understand so that we can be pleasing to our heavenly Father. They're also known as saints. Acts chapter 9 and in verse 13. We have the account here of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus and how it was that Saul. Is told to go into the city of Damascus and he's to wait until he's told what to do. So the Lord calls this one Ananias. And he tells him, you're going to go and you're going to find Saul and you're going to tell him what he needs to do. Ananias had heard about Saul. He knew that this Saul was a man who was an evil man and that he had been afflicting and persecuting disciples but here's how he makes reference to them in acts chapter 9 verse 13 ananias answered he said i have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at jerusalem when we are entered into the body of christ we are separated from the world we are cleansed by the blood of jesus christ so we are sanctified we are made holy unto god in the body of christ All of those ideas of being separated and sanctified and purified and cleansed mean that we are taken out of the world, placed in the body of Christ. Everyone, then, who is a child of God, everyone who is a believer, everyone who is a disciple is a saint. You know, when I was a boy growing up, I was taught wrongfully that saints were dead people who had done some miraculous thing and now have been granted this title of being a saint, sainthood, and that people could pray to them. Of course, there's nothing in the scriptures about that. That's all false doctrine made up by people in the world who want to elevate one above another. Here, Ananias was talking about individuals that were persecuted, men and women, simply for being disciples of Jesus Christ. And of course, We have other references to thinking about individuals as saints who are living people. So when Paul wrote to the Philippians in verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ, which are at Philippi. So he's talking about living people at that time that were in Philippi. Another description and probably the one that we're most familiar with that we would find in the book of Acts is one that is first attributed to the saints in the city of Antioch. Acts 11 verse 26 says, when he had found him, speaking of Barnabas going to find this Saul, who is now a Christian, Barnabas and Saul are going to work together to edify saints. When he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch and came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. And taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Because of the blessing we have being members of the household of God. And being able to stand in the presence of God. And being able to offer up sacrifices. Peter said that we're likened to priests. Priests in a royal household. 1 Peter chapter 2. And in verse nine, he said, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been studying on Wednesday night in the book of Exodus, and we've noticed that what God did with the tribes of Israel to separate one tribe, the tribe of Levi, and in that tribe provide a certain standard, And men that met that standard would be allowed to serve as priests in the tabernacle and later on in the temple of God. They were separated from their brethren, separated by tribe, separated by activity, separated by household. And they and they alone were the only ones who were allowed to offer up the sacrifices. And so Peter said, like that. We, disciples, all disciples everywhere in the world, are like unto a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation made holy by Jesus Christ. The King James Version says we're a peculiar people. Some versions say a purchased people, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. But as such, we are also referred to as priests in the household of God. John tells us in his first epistle... That those who are part of the body of Christ are also children of God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he said, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Chapter 3, and in verse 1. But... Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Verse two, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So we are the children of God. We are sons of God. And a final thought. In thinking about the role that we partake of and the responsibility that we have, we are soldiers of Christ. Paul, in writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, he said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All of these names reflect a belonging, a being a part of the whole, in dealing with individuals, in dealing with people who are part of the body of Christ. What do we find in the church? Why is this church so important? What is found here that cannot be found anywhere else? Well, first and foremost, in the church, we find redemption. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In sin, we are lost, we are separated from God. We sold our rights to being a child of God when we engaged in sin and went into darkness. And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that redemption is made. So when we obey the gospel, hearing the gospel message that Jesus is the Christ, believing that message, repenting of our sins, confessing Jesus as Christ, and then being baptized for the remission of our sins, God takes the atoning blood of Jesus Christ and cleanses our soul spotless and free, And brings us back into his household. We are redeemed. And it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only within the body of Christ. That redemption exists. And because we are placed in the body of Christ. We are sanctified. We read this passage earlier. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So we're purified, we're sanctified, we're cleansed of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, by our obedience to his word. And this means that we are forgiven. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Sin destroys our relationship with God, because in sin we depart from him, and we sever in sin all ties of fellowship. But being redeemed in Christ, we are cleansed by his blood, and we are forgiven of all of our sins. There are no sins that God cannot forgive. There are no sins that God will hold against us. In Hebrews chapter 8 and in verse 12, God said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more? It's sad to think that the guilt that some people carry in dealing with sin is to believe that their sins are so great. That God can't forgive them. That's guilt. That's remorse on their part. Uh, We should be sad for our sins. But we should not negate the power of God. It's on one sense ignorance. On another sense it's arrogance to think that I can do something that God can't undo. That I can sin so horribly. And again I, I, I understand what people think. They, they feel that sense of regret and remorse that is so deep in within them. But we need to fully understand that there is nothing that God can't do. And that when he says, I'll forgive all sins, that means everyone's. No matter how many you've done, no matter how horrible they are. God said, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. And we need to believe that. And we need to rejoice in that and to be thankful for that. We find then within the church are all spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1 verse three, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ." It's impossible to list all the blessings, so we simply know that all we can imagine, all that we need, God provides for. <clears throat> How do I enter the church? I don't enter the church by inheriting my membership. I don't enter it by majority voting me in. I don't gain my entrance by purchasing it. The only way into the Lord's church is free. It's simple, obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hearing the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins and rose again according to the scriptures. And this is exactly what Paul said that the Corinthians needed to understand. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verses 1 through 4. Moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel. Which I preached unto you. Which also you received wherein ye stand. By which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all. That which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures Jesus himself said I must believe that he is the Christ There must be no doubt in my mind As to the relationship of Jesus Christ to the Father And Jesus Christ to me Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 24 I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins For if ye believe not that I am he Ye shall die in your sins Believe that he is who? What Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the rock. This is the foundation upon which that we begin to follow Jesus, to recognize He is the Christ. He is the promised one of the prophets. He is the descendant of David. He is the Son of God who died for your sins and my sins. When I understand that, that should lead me to repentance, to turn from sin And turn to him. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Then, in repenting of my sins, I must confess Jesus as Christ. When Philip was teaching the eunuch, the eunuch wanted to be baptized. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then it says, he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He was baptized for the remission of his sins. Upon which point, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord would add him to the church, to the household of God. He becomes a believer, he becomes a saint, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of God. The church is a unique, a special, a divine institution. It's not of man, it's not of this world, and nothing in this world can match the concept of the church. God has given it many names, and those names honor him as well as her. The members are referred to as the children of God, saints, disciples, Christians. We are also known as the redeemed, the sanctified, the forgiven, the blessed above all measure in the body of Christ. Obeying the gospel allows Jesus to personally add you to his family. So the final thought we have is really a question. Why would anyone not want to be part of this divine eternal relationship? Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you for listening to On Eagle's Wings.